welcome to the Daniel K. Inouye International Airport. On behalf of Hawaiian Airlines, most especially your entire flight crew, we'd like to thank you for choosing to fly with us today. It's been our pleasure having you on board, and we look forward to seeing you again on a future Hawaiian Airlines flight. Until we have that privilege, we would like to bid you a fond aloha and mahalo. Mahui ho! Man, Danny, that sure was a long flight here to Hawaii. My God, Josh, it was brutal. So what do you want to do first while we're here? Oh, let's go check out the Baywatch uh, headquarters and dormitories. Oh, yes. I definitely want to check out Captain Sean's room. I hear he leaves that door wide open. Welcome to Hot Red Shorts, a gay watch of Baywatch. Two gay guys talking about Baywatch, episode by episode, more or less at random. I'm Josh. I'm Denny. And today we're going to be looking at Baywatch Season 10, Episode 3, Weak Link. And we talked about this, but it was uh, the Weak Link had not aired yet. That game show had not started. Oh, really? Yes, this, this episode was aired in 1999. The Weakest Link started in 2003. Who was the host of that? A British woman with short red hair <laughs> that had that catchphrase. Yes. You are the Weakest Link. Goodbye. Yes, that's, that's all I remember. I didn't watch it. At the, I wasn't really watching TV much. I just remember time. everyone at school just would say that phrase ad nauseum. Yes, but that is nothing what this episode is about. And uh, we are recording our first In the Closet episode as a sort of necessity. Glenn pointed out that the previous ones were kind of echoey, echoey. so now we're trying to be uh, a little more sound conscious. And I think it's kind of cozy, at least for now. Glenn did put a whole bunch of powder in his shoes, so hopefully the smell is not... Too bad. What do you think, Denny? It's not. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. And being in the closet. Nothing new for either of us. Well, it's been a while, <laughs> but uh, it's uh, not uncomfortable, uh, for better or for worse. And first in the closet episode, this is our first Baywatch Hawaii episode. And there's a lot that is different. A whole bunch of new people, a whole new place, a whole new aesthetic uh, that I didn't personally glom onto, but uh, we'll talk about as we go on. Uh, Denny, how did you find Hawaii in the first go? It was fine. I just, there's a, a, I think a lot of references that were missed from previous episodes that like made it hard to kind of like understand what was going on. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. We're going to, we're going to get into that because I, I felt differently, but we'll see. I was talking with Glenn again. He had another suggestion, which is good as our uh, official executive producer. And he, he said that we need to incorporate some more content contemporaneous gay news, if we can, uh, from the time. In the early 90s, it's sort of hard to pull out gay, positive gay things that were happening. But it's it can be done. And certainly in 1999, uh, there were some gay things happening. And since we are in Hawaii, for now, let's talk about gay stuff in Hawaii. There's a gay Hawaiian party lasting all week through. A happy island party. Uh, in particular, uh, in the late 90s, it was sort of known that gay marriage was a thing in Hawaii. At the very least, civil unions or, or these gray areas uh, where Hawaii was one of those few places in the country that you could get married. However, in November of 1998, uh, just a year before this episode aired, the state passed a bill that was voted on by the populace saying that marriage was only between a man and a woman. So, uh... Yeah, and then it would take until 2013 until gay marriage was actually fully legal in the state. So, uh, uh, oh, mahalo to everybody <laughs> there, uh, but whatever. Um, 
But uh, to put us further in that mind frame, to put us uh, further back in time, uh, let us talk about what else was going on in the waning days of the 20th century. Uh, In bigger news, President Clinton was in office and his impeachment trial had just ended in February of 1999. He was impeached for lying under oath and obstruction of justice, but he was found not guilty and he stayed in office and everybody more or less moved on with their lives other than Monica, who was uh, destroyed in it. But all of this was related to testimony regarding Monica Lewinsky, his former intern in their sexual relationship. So, But I want to say one thing to the American people. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. These allegations are false, and I need to go back to work for the American people. Thank you. Do you remember anything I mean, about course, Monica Lewinsky? Yeah, of course I remember all of this. Yeah, you like said everything that like. <laughs> all right, all right, okay, cool. In October of 1999, besides this episode, UPS uh, finally stopped shipping guns. Wait, UPS? Oh, sorry. I don't know why I thought of um, public access ne- uh, television. PBS? PBS. I don't know why my brain went there. Danny, I'm not sure what's in that drink, but I'm glad you're with me. But we're going to move on. Speaking of substances, a week after that, uh, America's largest tobacco firm, Philip Morris, uh, this was October 13th, 1999, they finally acknowledged that cigarettes caused harm and that smoking is linked to cancer and heart disease and other stuff. And... All these years later, that company is still the market leader and people are still smoking like crazy and, you know. Really? I I don't hardly, I hardly see anyone smoke these days. It's, it's, it's confirmation bias on our part. You know, it just depends on where you are and where you're around. Like, there are certain places you go where a lot, there are a lot more smokers. We know one or two. Well, yeah. Are, uh, and they've got to be out there because somebody's buying them. I just remember, like, you know, being young, even go to a west- restaurant, there would be a smoking and non-smoking sections, and it would just be everywhere. My mom smoked, and... I smoked for a very brief period because it was still cool, and now I look back, and not that it wasn't cool, because it was still kind of cool, <laughs> but it stank, and I stank, and it tasted horrible, and I hope it didn't do too much damage to me for too long, but everything that I've done to my body... Eh. <laughs> Two years of smoking probably wasn't so bad. Uh, in music news, uh, again, on this day in 1999, Breathe from Faith Hill was released. I don't... You're not a Faith Hill? No, not fan. my kind of music. All right, but what about Mariah Carey? I can't stand her. All right, well, she was number one with Heartbreaker. You're saying you don't like Heartbreaker? I might like the song, but I just I couldn't get into my, Mariah Carey as a person. It has a great music video where... Uh, she's like, is that the one where she's a spy? Or she actually plays two roles in that one. And I think they're at a movie theater. Anyway, it's great. Okay, well, what about uh, techno music? Were you into techno music back then? Yes. Electronic music? Yes. Uh, I certainly was because all I was doing at this period of time, I was in college, but I was uh, also just going to raves and clubs all the time. So I was sure that house music was going to take over. Uh, Praise You from Fatboy Slim came out this year. Uh, Waiting for Tonight. From Jennifer Lopez. Both great songs. Uh, Living La Vida Loca. Oh my God, I love that song. Just on the gay side. And Believe from Cher. Yes, yes. Oh, and uh, the number one song in the UK, though, was Blue. I'm in Diva da Bada, blah, 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 blah. Eiffel 65. Yes. Yes, yes. So, Were they German? I'm not sure. 
Probably, because there was a lot of really cool German electronic music. There still is, but uh, I have no idea. I just know that I really love that stupid song, and I was uh, out of my mind listening to most of those, <laughs> most of that music back then, but uh, it was good. Uh, moving on to TV, uh, Susan Lucci. Are you familiar with that name? Yes. Okay, she played Erica Kane on All My Children, and she finally won an Emmy in yes, 1999. Yes, okay, I remember all the jokes. Yes. You're the Susan Lucci of this... Uh, competition. Yes, because she'd gotten 18 previous nominations. So for 18 years in a row, uh, she was teased and teased and teased. And yeah, you're right, it became a big joke. And she finally won in 1999. So that wasn't one of my mom's soaps, so I wasn't really familiar with it, but I knew the joke. Wasn't it kind of like the same thing with like Leonardo DiCaprio? He got nominated for a lot, but like never really won. Mm, I don't really pay attention that much oh. anymore, but it probably, and it happens to a lot of actors where there's it's assumed that they deserve this certain thing, and it's like, we'll just do it already. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times nowadays, they just wait until somebody's really old, and it's too late for them to really care. So, But anyway, uh, beyond that, there was a lot of debuts in 1999 on television, like new things happening, uh, like Family Feud. It came back to TV for the first time in four years. It had been off the air. It hasn't gone off the air since then, uh, but at that time, Louis Anderson was the new host who just passed away fairly recently. Yeah. So uh, John Stewart debuted as the host of The Daily Show. I remember that coming on and just, I was not interested in politics at that time. So I was just bored to tears whenever it was on. At that time, Denny, you're still bored by politics and that's one of the greatest things about you. I'm not bored by politics. I just don't talk about politics. Even better, <laughs> even better. Uh, Family Guy and Batman Beyond. Okay, I remember Family Guy and I was hooked. I thought it was the funniest thing I had ever seen in my life. And then I was so upset when it got canceled and then it re reinstated and then canceled again and then reinstated. Were you like 14 in 1999? Yes, 15. Yeah. Perfect age yeah. for Family Guy to be the best show. You didn't watch Batman Beyond? Though? Yes, I did. All right. Because I would think that would be good too. Futurama. Loved started it. Started in 99. Yes. A Farscape, which I just got you into. Yes. We watched a couple of episodes. I really enjoy it. Yeah. Hopefully you can keep your PC plugged in so I can watch through your Plex. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. And SpongeBob SquarePants. I remember watching the when it aired, and I was just like, it's kind of stupid. But it became such a sensation. And it's still on yeah. to this day. So uh, I never really got into it. I tried to watch it once or twice uh, when Glenn and I were first dating, and he shamed me uh, for watching something so stupid. So we turned it to other cartoons that were slightly less stupid. But for some gay television, two gay TV stories. Did you watch TRL on MTV? Total Request Live? Of course. Yeah. yeah. So then you know all about it. It was a really obnoxious television show. Yes. Uh, screaming teenagers and stuff. But one of its hosts was uh, Carson Daly that everyone remembers. But then one of its other hosts was Dave Holmes. Welcome back to Total Request Live. Don't forget, right after today's show, hip-hop fashion is what it's all about. Let's go right back into the countdown, though, shall we? At least in 1999, Dave Holmes was the runner-up in the Wanna Be a VJ contest. And the wannabe of VJ contest, the person that won was this guy named Jesse Camp. He was really tall and he's sort of like dressed like a homeless person. Do you remember any of this? None sort of of that, that? No. Uh, well, anyway, uh, Dave Holmes came in second. It was an internet voting thing, which actually may have been a scam. Like they may, like it may have been hacked. But anyway, I love doing research for this stuff. I get totally off track. Anyway, uh, Dave Holmes was popular enough that they also brought him on and uh, he stayed on MTV for years and years and years. And then in two 2002, he came out of the closet. 
Oh. And uh, he, uh, he's an active podcaster to this day. And so there you go. Very cool. So, okay. So what about Dawson's Creek? Yes. Okay, so you... I watched the first season. I dropped off after that. All right. Well, then you don't know... You think you won't know about this. So uh, do you know the character Jack? Was he on the first season? Uh, it was just like the four main mm. kids and then like the teacher that Pacey was having sex with. Okay, well then Jack and his sister must have started in the second season. Uh, he came out as gay in February of 1999 in the 15th episode of the second season. That is the question. On a previous episode, Jack was forced to read a poem aloud to the class that was supposed to be private. And the teacher was just gleeful as he did this. Today. Oh, he's cute. Today was a day the world got smaller. Darker. Even more afraid. Not of what I am, but of what I... Continue. I grew more afraid. Not of what I am, but what I what I could be. I loosen my collar to take a breath. My eyes fade. And I see. I see him. perfection his frame strong his lips smooth I keep thinking what am I so scared of and I wish I could escape the pain but these thoughts they invade my head bound to my memory They're like shackles of guilt At least he got through the whole poem. Yeah. So, was that about Pacey? No, it was not about Pacey, even though... See, the reason that Pacey is so much in that scene is because, unbeknownst to you, since this is all you know, is that Pacey and this teacher have had a real shit relationship the whole time. This teacher is a monster, as you can tell, uh, forcing this poor kid to bear his soul in front of the class, and that's what's going on there. And they're friends, uh, Jack and... Pacey. I believe they're friends at that point. But anyway, they're part of the same circle. So, so, so I need some more context. Please. So was the poem like an assignment? or yes. was it, Okay, so it was just for the teacher to read, not for the whole class? The teacher had previously said this is, I believe it was something like write something from like a deep place or whatever. Uh, and Jack is coming to terms with all sorts of stuff. And yeah, the teacher, of course, it's going to be private. Who's going to read your school assignments? And I'm sure that in that sort of situation, he did imply that. So, and the teacher, uh, watching more, this activated a whole bunch of memories. That, like, oh, I was watching the show at this time. That teacher was a complete scumbag. And within a few episodes, like, Pacey spits in his face at one point, and uh, he's fired, the teacher. Good. So, yeah, it's a whole thing. Or he's forced into retirement early or something, but he never learns his ways. He never apologizes for being an asshole. Uh, as for Jack, uh, he sort of uses this as a springboard to come out because he has to end up talking to the uh, 
uh, guidance counselor to the administration or to the principal or whomever they drag you to uh, in that situation. And his father had to come in and the situation with Jack and his whole thing is that he had a really bad relationship with his distant father. And so one, his dad was pissed that he was dragged to school. And two, my son's not like that. And by the end of their confrontation with, I mean, I don't know if it's this episode or the next one. It's, no, it's this episode. That is the question. Jack yells in his face. You don't want to talk about Tim's death, about mom being sick or even why she's sick. You don't want to address the reality of why your daughter has been on and off prescriptive drugs for the last two years. That's fine, too, but we are going to talk about me. You calm yourself No, down. I will not calm down and I will not be quiet. You want to resolve this? Then you ask me again. Ask you what? The question. Ask me the question again. Ask me if I'm gay. Ask me. You are not gay. Yes, I am. You know it. I see how you look at me, and I know you know. And as hard as you've tried to stamp it out and to ignore it, I have tried harder. I have tried harder than you to be quiet and to forget it and to not bother my family with my problem. <laughs> but I can't try anymore because it hurts. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dad. Yeah. At the time, I was uh, way into that sort of vibe because I had uh, all sorts of ridiculous, unearned anger towards my dad and um, being in the closet and sorts of shit. And I would have loved to do, do that. So uh, I was way into yeah. that particular expression. In movie news, uh, Double Jeopardy with Ashley Judd and Tommy Lee Jones was number one at the box office. Did you Have you ever seen that? I've heard of it, never saw it. All right, that's another one to add to it. <laughs> I loved it. It's the first movie I ever went to stoned. And uh, it was me and a friend, a friend and I, and I remember gasping and like, uh, just like not cheering and jumping up, but reacting audibly throughout the entire film as if I was by myself. <laughs> and it was great. The theater was packed and I couldn't have had a better Only time. Only because you were high. Well, and also it's a fun movie. You'll <laughs> see, you'll see uh, a nice action where a jilted woman who's blamed for the murder of her husband, discovers that he is not dead and has absconded with their son. Pay attention, because this is the best goddamn advice you're ever going to get. You ever hear something called Double Jeopardy, Fifth Amendment to the Constitution? Huh? No? Well, Double Jeopardy provides that no person may be tried for the same crime twice. You got that? Keep staring. The state says you already killed your husband. They can't convict you of it a second time. That means that when you leave here, you track him down, and when you find him, you can kill him. That's right. You can walk right up to him in Times Square, put a gun to his head, and pull the fucking trigger, and there's nothing anybody can do about it. Kind of makes you feel warm and tingly all over, don't it? Spoiler! Hey, man, it's the whole premise of the movie. <laughs> uh, but anyway, also, in 1999, at least what was important to me in movie news and tangentially gay stuff... Uh, Cruel Intentions came out. I was oddly obsessed with this movie, even though I was probably a little too young to really get what was actually going on. Yeah, but it was Ryan Phillippe's butt. Yeah. So we didn't need anything. And anymore. Selma Blair doing Secret Society. That would make me a slut, wouldn't it? Cecile, everybody does it. It's just that nobody talks about it. So it's like a secret society. 
That's one way of looking at it. Fucking idiot. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> That'll never Secret not society. be great. <laughs> uh, the Matrix came out. I did not see that in theaters. I didn't see the. I didn't start getting into it till the second one. Because you're a younger guy. No, it's just I. For some reason, I just missed it. Mm. Election. Reese Witherspoon. I saw that for the first time two years ago. I think it was like on Netflix. All right. Go. So what are you up to tonight? We're going to this party tonight. This warehouse thing. Some sort of rave thing. Is this gonna be cool? Yeah, I guess. No. You've never seen Go? I don't think so. All right, it's one of the best soundtracks that exist, and uh, do you know who Scott, Scott Wolf is? Yes, of course. All right, he and Jay Moore, you're familiar with Jay Moore, he's a comedian, he's also an actor. Uh, anyway, in the movie, it's, a, it's an interesting movie, but they're one of many sets of people, and they play a very convincing gay couple that is very cute. Okay, I wanna watch it now. It's great, uh, but specifically Gay Trick, which is one of my favorite movies came out. Trick, are you familiar with that? Um, who was in it? Nev Campbell's brother, Christian Campbell. I don't think so. All right, it's a very cute movie. So that's another one to show you. American Beauty. I only have seen bits and pieces of it. Yeah, I used to love it, but I, I feel like I've probably outgrown it since I've lived in the suburbs long enough myself. I remember... Uh, I watched one scene. It was like Kevin Spacey working out shirtless. I rule. And I was like, okay. But, you know, he's so problematic now that, like, I regret it. <laughs> I rule. I think he was a creep then, too. Like, personally, I, I thought he was always creepy. But, like, that is part of the movie as well. His 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 burgeoning sexuality and everything. But uh, speaking of sexuality, it's Fight Club. Never saw it all the way through. You still haven't? I have not. Dang, what's... You spent too many too much time I mean, playing video games. I, I guess so, but I know like pretty much like the whole plot of it. So all right, and finally, the talented Mr. Ripley. Never saw it. Never saw that either. Well, that's another one because it's it's fairly gay, but it's also beautiful. And uh, that's actually where uh, I went on my first gay date to see that movie. With uh, what's his face? Uh, no, uh, you have not heard of this person, and it wouldn't matter to because now we're going to move on to our episode. <laughs> well, no, not to our episode. We're going to move on to our Baywatch basics. For this episode and we are now in hawaii which is the southernmost state in the u.s officially is the 50th state to join the union and actually this show takes place on oahu one of the eight islands and oahu is the one that i lived on it's the one that honolulu is on the capital and is it the biggest island no the big island they call it is the biggest island and that is hawaii oh okay yeah so it's a little confusing but easy to get once you're there because there's really only a few that people go to mm -hmm. oahu Kauai, maui hawaii all right the show had been looking for a new location because ratings were starting to fall and budgets were getting slashed and they were going to move to australia they had a whole deal set up and there was even a i think it was a two-part episode which we're going to end up saying at some point where they go to australia baywatch australia but the deal fell through the government was like we don't want you here that's so disappointing because i love the australian accent there are some remnants of baywatch yes. uh, australia you'll, you'll in this episode mm -hmm. there are the redhead they they did stay in the states and they moved to hawaii instead but they did get really cheap as we'll talk about as we go on i think in certain scenes and uh one of the other changes is that we you might not have noticed and i probably wouldn't have noticed if i didn't read about it in trivia somewhere is that the women didn't get to wear the red, red uh, swimsuits at all anymore they only wore yellow 
because apparently in the Pacific Ocean and further over, those people all wear yellow. Like the lifeguards? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But luckily, all the males still wear uh, red shorts. Yes. So we don't have to uh, fuck around. Our cast, the only people that we recognize are Mitch, uh, our, our good old Mitch, and Numi. Numi. Numi pops up. Everybody else is brand new. So running through them, there's Don Masterson, and she was played by a woman named Brandy Ledford, and she started out in Penthouse then went into acting, a whole bunch of TV, but this is her very first episode. It is the third episode of the 11th season and they're already adding new characters. <laughs> then there's Sean Monroe. Oh. Yeah, who's uh, played by Jason Brooks. He's super hunky. So hot. Yeah, okay, we talked about Trick. I mentioned Trick before, the gay movie yes. that I really like. It stars uh, Christian Campbell, who is brothers with Nev Campbell. Sean Monroe's actor, Jason Brooks, is brother-in-law to both of them. Okay. Yeah. So who who does he play? Sean. Oh, Sean. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I thought We're still I, thought, I thought you were going to the next carry. I thought it was going to be like. JD. It's fine. It's a it's a small room. Uh, then after Sean, we have Jesse Owens. And did you get the joke already or no? Do you I, still not get the joke? They make it even in the Jess, Jesse Owens. Yeah, she's named for some reason. She's named after the famous black Olympic athlete. I don't know who that is either. <laughs> oh God, Denny. There's so much. There's so much for you to learn. Um, but anyway, her name is Brooke Burns. <laughs> ah, Denny, you're great. Uh, her name is Brooke Burns, and she's done a ton of TV, uh, like hosting and things, like a reality show related sort of things. Now you'll get excited. J.D. Darius. Yes. And he's played by Michael Bergen, who was a male model at the time and I couldn't find a definitive source but a whole bunch of places said this that he specifically replaced Marky Mark in the Calvin Klein underwear campaign that that was like his claim to fame at the time and I do have a few pictures now is there any relationship to Candace Bergen no oh, as far as I know no so this is during his model modeling days Denny oh yeah so this is back uh, before he was on Baywatch keep going man. See Speedo, just for you. Yes. Yes. Well, long hair. We'll have to post these somewhere. So anyway. So yeah, so he was a Calvin Klein model, and he plays JD, and he's actually really good. So uh, his birthday is just a day after mine, uh, which is kind of cool. And uh, he's 53 now. He still looks great. Then there's Jason Ione, played by... Jason Momoa. Yes, Aquaman. Amen. Pre-tattoos, slim and trim. Yes. I much, 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 much prefer this version of Jason Momoa myself. I think he looks good now. I would like to see him how he looks nowadays with, like, shorter hair. You mean, like, being clean? Not even just clean cut, but, like, just shorter. Mm, yeah. That's probably not going to happen. Probably not. Soon, so. I would like if he were in a movie where, whoops, uh, his character has to have his head buzzed. Because uh, now, like, he's in a foreign country or, like, he's on an alien planet and they're going to, like, I don't know, add implants to his brain so he has to buzz all his hair off. That'd be interesting to see. Anyway, he can do whatever he wants with his hair. He still looks good. You're right. Next up, there's Kokoa Tanaka, played by a woman named Stacy Kamano. And it doesn't matter who she is because she doesn't do anything in this episode. She's like stands to the size of people and she says one or two things. But Baywatch Australia, we mentioned. Then there's Ali Reese, played by Simone McKinnon. And she's Australian herself, a super redhead. And that's what we're th I think that she's probably left over from. The casting know. from Australia. Yeah, because this is not her first season. She had been on the show before. And her, she and Jason Momoa actually dated all throughout the filming of the series. 
and they got engaged eventually and then broke up in 2006. What's the age difference? Because she looks uh, fairly older. Not that there's an issue, not that there's a problem with that. Just just curiosity. That's a great question. Because Jason barely looks like he's old enough to drink in this series. Jason Momoa is 42. Simone McKinnon is 49. Okay. So seven years, that's not bad. No. Certainly not worth judging a person. I wasn't judging to begin with, just curiosity sparked my interest. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. And finally, we have Tanner Sloan, played by Cameron Finley, who's Mitch's new son. I was I was shocked yeah. when we get introduced to him. Yes, but we'll talk about that as we come. And on to the show, Baywatch Season 11, Episode 3, Week Blank. Well, we're in Hawaii, and the first way we know this is that the show is different. It doesn't start with the theme song. We have a cold open, which means the show just sort of jumps in. And it's a long montage of anonymous surfers and beach babes. Like, a lot of bikini boobs in this montage. Yes. Uh, not a lot of faces, uh, which was funny, uh, but whatever. It's Hawaii. The beaches are nice. They're going to let us know that. The water's clear. The people are hot. The waves are big, uh, and we go to a large lap pool, and this must be new Baywatch headquarters because the whole team is assembled by their leader, Hot Sean. Captain Hot Sean. Captain Hot Sean, okay. Right off the bat, it wins because he's there. I'm in because he's a way to start. He's a big, broad man. Pause real quick. If he's captain, what does that make Mitch? Well, we'll talk about that okay. later on. We don't even need to pause because we sorry. don't even know. Don't quit apologizing. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Uh, so, anyway. Sean's got everybody gathered together because he's introducing a new cast member, and uh, that is Dawn. Dawn Masterson. Yes, and she shows up in the a sexy, slow, cinemaxy way out of the pool. Right off the page of Penthouse. Yes, good point. A lot of this episode feels like those Penthouse videos from back then, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk. So anyway, back to Dawn. She is from the University of Florida. Go Gators! Local girl, or instantly don't trust her. Uh, well, there is a good reason. She also sort of has an acting style of that is I would characterize as drugged out. <laughs> um, but I think it works for what we're going for. But I don't want to demean her because, as Sean emphasizes... She's a specialist in the human body. Yes. It's all very steamy, and it, the episode just started. Uh, and now, in front of the entire cast, Dawn starts going into a really well-rehearsed speech about something called... We're going to do some hypoxic training. Some of you are probably familiar with the concept. Basically, Long story short, it's basically learning how to move your body with less oxygen. Right, like how to regulate your breathing in relation to your activity, which is probably really cool and interesting, but this is Baywatch. It, it was very long-winded for something that could have been cleared up relatively fast. And again, she, her delivery, Don's Don's unique delivery was far too sultry, uh, I would say, and like, mm, mm, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, throwing her face around, but whatever. She lines up with the rest of the team at the edge of the pool. They're going to do a drill. Uh, they're going to swim across the pool using her thing, and they've, they've got some more Baywatch math, uh, and I ignored it completely. I just know they're going to go back and forth. Yes. Uh, but unbeknownst to her, Sean was expecting her to participate. And she was very shocked that she would have to stoop down to the level of training with the other cadets. You too, Don. Me? You're on the team. You participate in the drill. Yeah, but I... Or thanks for the speech. And the next Hawaiian Air flight leaves in 20 minutes. As we'll find out, it's not... She's not being snooty. 
No, no, no. She had just gotten off the plane to Hawaii, and not just to Hawaii, but we'll we'll talk about more. But which will probably explain her drugged out look a little bit more. So, but she 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 says, okay, cool. I'll do it. Um, She complains some more, though, because Sean wants to do 10 laps, and apparently that's well outside of whatever this drill is. He's clearly a hard ass, but that just makes him kind of hotter, really. The drill starts, and we get some more of what is going to be Baywatch Hawaii, which is boring shots of water. Uh, just still water and them swimming underneath it. No sort of artistry or interest, but just intercut and fading. And uh, that they swim back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And it's not exciting. Every once in a while we see Sean timing it. And that's at least a break. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, oh no. She blacked out. Don blacks out all of a sudden. In the water. So Sean has to dive in and rescue her. Now, you know what? I was just talking shit about all of the filming and everything. And I actually like the shot of her passed out because she's hunched over and it like the there's sort of like a stutter, uh, like like a flash as, as we see her. Like she's going to be abducted by aliens or something. <laughs> it was it was inappropriate, but it was a fun thing. So, yes. So he pulled her out of the water and trying to resuscitate her. No, no, no. They no. don't, no, no, no. They drag her out of the water, absolutely. They, yeah. they get her out of the water. They don't try to resuscitate her at all. There's a whole group of, of, of lifeguards because all the other lifeguards have, have you know, gathered around as well. They don't give her any CPR. There's nothing going on. They're like, give her room. And she wakes up. But no, they don't try to resuscitate uh, her. So I just found that interesting. Yeah. And it is fun and interesting though. Right when she comes to, she's like, you want to keep going? Like continue with the training. Which, and Sean, seems, which seems good. Yeah. But, I mean, Sean just immediately shuts it down and is like... No, we're through with this. No, we're done. He's pissed. Like, like, I'm not sure exactly why he's reacting so negatively to this chick, but maybe it is vibes of some sort. He's picking up on an energy that he is not happy about. I think we... He, it, it's alluded to a little bit of why he is negative towards her uh, later in the episode. We'll get to that. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, because... This is when we finally get to the new theme song. That was all preamble and brand new theme song, and I love it. What about you? Uh, it's cute, you know, it's very, you know, Hawaiian or like, would you, is it Hawaiian or like Polynesian? And Instrumental this, stuff? It's splitting hairs on this to try, to try to figure it out. It's the whole stereotypical tropical thing. Yeah, yeah you got it. Yeah, and I've noticed uh, with credits, they actually display like the character name with their actual name. That was kind of hit or miss between the seasons and things and, and where we're watching it and what version we're watching it on. And uh, But yeah, I like it. It's a whole jazzy opening. Like they changed all the text, they changed everything. There's a whole bunch of new glamour shots of, of all of the new actors doing things. And uh, my favorite part though is two of them. Who is it? I don't remember. It's two of the women, though. They're underwater, smiling their faces off with lays on, uh, not just around their necks, but also around their heads, like, just, like, as stereotypical Hawaii <laughs> as you could be. It was ridiculous. But anyway, we open at the airport with a Hawaiian Airlines flight. It's deboarding on the tarmac. And I lived in Hawaii for a, a, a few years. I've also traveled all over the place. You've, you've been around. Have you ever gotten off a full commercial airline on the tarmac like Tanner is here? Closest thing I came to was Key West, but it's like one of the smaller planes. A teeny tiny plane. Yeah, and like there's, you know, they don't have like a big terminal. Right. So obviously you have to get off in the tarmac. At least for me, this is another sign of cheapness because it's probably a lot cheaper to rent a tarmac than trying to get a whole 
set for a terminal. But, you know, I've noticed, like, a lot of shows that, like, feature characters going to Hawaii, they do get off at the tarmac. It could also be a thing where, like, let's take advantage of the natural beauty. Yeah. But, though we don't see much of that here. But, and, you know, immediately, though, when they exit the plane, they get laid by, you know, like, a local Hawaiian... Uh, phrasing? Which I don't remember ever happening either, but it's a lovely thing to, <laughs> to pretend happens. And we get to see as very special passenger, an overly caffeinated, super <laughs> 90s kid uh, with very, very frosted tips. And this, this is Tanner. You know, I'm meeting my dad out here. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're going to go camping, surfing, fishing, horseback riding. Oh, my god! And everything. Wow. Yeah, we're going to have the biggest, best adventure ever. That's... My dad's a lifeguard. Hey, there he is. Tanner's, Tanner is Mitch's new son. It bombshell for me. I was very surprised. I even wrote in my notes, like, I guess Mitch has another son somewhere? Well, you know, Mitch has been around. We'll find out exactly where he's from in a bit. This is his foster son. He's taking on a foster son. I guess Hobie isn't cute or fun anymore, uh, though Hobie hasn't been fun for a while, let's be real. But yeah, this is his, his new foster son, and Mitch is overjoyed to see him. He's super happy to see him. He's flown him over to Hawaii, of course, and the only thing he's not happy about is his hair. What did you do to your hair? I woke up one morning and it was this way. Oh. I actually have a story uh, about hair and dads coming off the plane. So in 1999, around this exact same time, uh, I was graduating high school, the summer between high school and college. I hung out with all sorts of new people, a bunch of gay people, and one of the people was a hairstylist. And so I got all, all my stuff done for free, including coloring, which I would never do to pay for one and two would never have done if I wasn't in that stage <laughs> of my life. Uh, specifically. I've never even done it since. So uh, one time, my dad, my mom, and my brother all went out of town for some sort of reason, and I was able to stay home. So I let my stylist do like, whatever. He's like, oh, I have an idea. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, what he did was, is the entirety of my bangs, he dyed blonde, like stark blonde. The rest of it he left alone, which is fairly dark uh, brown. And okay, I thought it looked kind of severe, especially for me, but it wasn't really super crazy by any means. I'm not a crazy guy. No. <laughs> so I go and I have to pick up my dad and my family at the airport. And my dad sees the hair for the first time. And he says, you look like a fag. Oh God, Jesus. And so it was a very quiet ride home, at least uh, for me. And I called up my friend and I said, hey, Joe, uh, we got to cut this off. And so, uh, yeah, my hair had never went back to that, uh, so I can sort of relate with Tanner. Tanner had a better response than I got. And on my day, it was a different time. Please tell me that there is a picture and that we can post it on Twitter for our fans. There probably isn't a picture of that. No, digital cameras weren't that big a thing, and I was not taking a lot of pictures on my party days. I can probably find a picture of my frosted tips, though. So, anyway... uh, Mitch, we're back to Baywatch. Mitch thanks the flight attendant that has been taking care of Tanner the whole time. And Tanner sort of like implies a schmoozy relationship that he was trying to hook up the flight attendant with Mitch. Yes. And she apparently gave uh, Tanner his number, her number. I I hope that was a joke uh, because otherwise it's becoming very clear why Mitch likes this boy. (laughs) He he works. So uh, anyway, uh, actually, something else that shows that Tanner really knows what's up. He knows he's never been to Hawaii before. He knows where the taxis are. He's like, hey, let's go pick up a cab and go back to your place. But Mitch is like, oh, no, not Mitch. No. You're a son of Mitch. And son of Mitch. We go in style. Yes. And so you look to the side and what is it? A helicopter. A helicopter's on the tarmac. And it's parked just a few feet away. Uh, no other passengers in sight. 
I, I think maybe the plane was empty too. I, I don't know. But anyway, Mitch introduces Tanner and the rest of us to Allie. Allie being... The Australian chick. Yes, the red-headed Australian. And she's going to give them a ride. So she's apparently had to take a part-time job as a helicopter pilot because Baywatch doesn't pay very much. Well, she said, though, Australians' lifeguards are all on volunteer basis. So she does, I guess she doesn't make money while she's a lifeguard, which doesn't make sense because she's not in Australia. You know, I didn't put that together, but yeah, I guess she's implying that she is a lifeguard slave. Yeah. <laughs> and so that she otherwise she it, it, That just didn't make sense to me, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it's Baywatch. I mean, if that's the worst of it, and we'll see that it's not. Uh, anyway, we now ascend into the sky, and they're flying over uh, Oahu. Mitch narrates as they hit the various spots. Tanner is just giddy as a schoolgirl. Awesome! And you, you know what he, what his character kind of reminds me of? Whoa, cool! Remember Petey from Family Guy? Peter Griffin's, like, tumor that actually turned oh, out to be his uh, okay. conjoined twin. Sure. He was just, like, delighted and excited about everything. Like, wow! Wee! And just... Oh, wow, this is fantastic! How did you know this place was so beautiful? Like, that's, like, the vibe I'm getting from Tanner. Wow! Tanner feels like... On the flight over, he read a thesaurus of every superlative and every positive word he could possibly have. Because throughout the episode, yes, he is relentlessly positive and very open and free with sharing how much he feels that way. Which is got to be nice, but it... I can see where it gets grating. It's, I, you know, normally this kind of stuff would bother me, but like, I don't know, I found it just like endearing that he's just so positive and excited about everything and appreciative too. Once he was coming off the plane, I was ready to hate him. Cool. And I couldn't. Like, even when he was annoying, it was like, yeah, this kid isn't that bad. Yeah. So, anyway, they, they continue their tour of beautiful Hawaii, but Mitch notices something strange down below. Thank God. Help me. A very bad actress waving a red towel in distress. They see this woman trying to flag them down. The helicopter descends. They land kind of like a little ways off. And Mitch and Tanner immediately like get off and like run towards this woman trying to flag them down. She uh, starts immediately goes up to them and tells them that she's going to drown. We don't know who she's talking about. But Mitch immediately springs into action. He tells Tanner to stay with the woman while he swims out and tries to find her. And again, we see something great about Tanner. He's like... Mitch is here. Do you know who he is? Don't worry, my dad's a lifeguard. The best of the best. It's gonna be fine. You can feel great. I'm a junior lifeguard too, but he's a professional. Has been all his life. There isn't an ounce of fear or anxiety in him, and it it doesn't feel like an actor not knowing what to do with the scene. It's like, oh, that's what this character is. This little boy is just this happy and this positive. So what I have to point out though is like first when he we see the girl, like she's just like spread eagle flayed out under the water. And that was funny. But another thing was the woman that went up to Mitch and Tanner, who was like all frantic. Tanner's just like, sit down, sit down. It's going to be okay. Sit down. Sit down. Mitch finds the girl, and he brings her back to the beach. Allie's with the group now, and she does chest compressions as Mitch starts mouth-to-mouth, the victim screaming, well, the victim's friend screaming in his ear the entire time. Oh, my God! Get back, get back. She's quickly revived, like, like nothing. Yeah. She wakes right up, and the bad actress friend is thanking God. She's so happy. So Tanner's beaming with pride. He's so He knew that Mitch could do this. He's, he's very proud, and, and Mitch eats it up, fade away, 
to two figures silhouetted against the ocean. A guitar is strumming in the background. As these two figures start talking, we realize one is Dawn. And at first, I thought the man that she was there was Sean. You were just wishful thinking. Yes. And really, that's the only man other than Mitch that we've been introduced to this episode. Mm -hmm. But we do find out it's actually JD. And we find out that they have some sort of history together. Yes. She kind of like implies that she wants to hook up. Let's get out of here and get a room. It more than implies. She rubs his chest. She makes an inference that you were never able to separate emotions and physicality yeah. sort of thing. Uh, yeah, they, they previously had some sort of relationship and this secret meeting is, I guess, to get the lay of the land. He does, like, shut down her advance, says, like, I'm in a relationship. Then Dawn says, though, that no one from Baywatch can know that they, that they know each other for some reason. Yeah, that's hopefully that's some sort of dramatic reason, because clearly Dawn is here as an irritant. She's here to shake things up a little bit. And beyond that, she's super soapy. Like the way she's acting, everything that's happening in between the two of them, it's like Melrose Place. That's what I was going to say. She reminds me of the Marsha Cross character. Yes. Was it Kimberly? Yes, I think yes, it was Kimberly. She yeah. just, that was the total like, Kimberly vibes I was getting from her. Yeah, she's here to fuck shit up uh, if she doesn't get her way. And if she does, she's still going to burn everything down. <laughs> and so it's kind of exciting and interesting uh, and, and sexy. But the entire time, it's, again, just their silhouettes between everything. We could be staring at Michael Bergen uh, <laughs> in his glory right there. But whatever. You're right. JD doesn't take it because he is dating somebody. We're going to find out later who he's dating. Not, not too long from now. But anyway, we fade from that ocean backdrop to Sean's bedroom. Come in. And I've got to assume this is Baywatch headquarters. And in Hawaii, a lot of things... We, you live in Florida, it's the same way here. Breezeways. There, there aren't interior hallways to these larger buildings. It's an in, in exterior where you walk from one structure to another. So it also allows a lot of access. Yeah. I was confused by this scene at first because I wasn't sure, like, is Dawn, like, living or staying with him while she's, like, gets settled in? Like, what's going on? Why is she, like, here? The inference that I made, and I'm pretty sure this is right, it's a dormitory situation, and that Baywatch in Hawaii is a big complex where everybody actually also lives. Probably not Mitch, but we don't see that either, so. This will be our stud watch for this episode because Sean is laying in bed shirtless with his big old man pecs all hanging out, reading a book. Is he reading? He's like scribbling something. Like I watched this scene a few times. He's, he's doing something. I think he's, he's probably... As we've seen since he's such a hard ass, he's probably he's not doing anything fun or leisurely. He's probably scribbling notes or working on some sort of report for work. Good point. And then we see Dawn walk in. And this is just, I guess, right after her little uh, meeting with JD. Yeah, she seems to be wearing the same outfit, at least from the silhouette till now. One of those min little mini skirt kimonos. Hers is like orange and white flowers on it. Uh, I guess she strikes up a conversation about like training that day and we find out like Sean is pretty much about ready to like send her back. Again, he's had a chip on his shoulder immediately since she showed up. As far as we know, she got off the plane, came to Baywatch in her swimsuit, jumped in the pool, got out of the pool and that was it. Within that time, he was able to really get a hate for her and say, no, she isn't for me. So JD, one of the things else besides turning Dawn down sexually was trying to impress upon her. This is a hard situation. Like this is not an easy program. This is not your type of gig. This is a very structured, motivated, disciplined team. This guy, Sean, he's tough. Which has also given us some more implications about their background that maybe she's a screw up or maybe she likes to play it a little loose uh, when she's working, which 
isn't a bad thing necessarily, but not here, not at Baywatch Central. And Sean, again, is a perfect example of that. So again, though, this is where we learn a little bit more about Dawn and this morning about the training. So she hadn't just got off the airplane. I went from the airport to the swimming pool after a 14-hour flight from Sri Lanka, before which I had taken serious quantities of a native antihistamine after being bitten by a green Lamica spider. What the hell she's doing in Sri Lanka? But she admits to having taken foreign drugs, weird foreign drugs <laughs> in the process. So thankfully, but Sean isn't taking any excuses. Not Shuts at all. Shuts her down. One thing I don't have time for is excuses. That's it. But she is willing to give her another shot in the morning. I guess they'll do like one training exercise together. But then also Dawn just like full on like just flirts with him. I'm here to be useful in any way I can. You know, in addition to a degree in kinesiology, I've studied in India and learned amazing things about how to achieve the potential of the human body. Well, actually, he says, if you want to have this conversation, these kind of conversations again, do it in my office, not my bedroom. Right, which is a fairly reasonable request yeah. to another coworker. Don't come to my fucking bedroom ever again. Yeah, but which, well, this was also why I was like really confused by the scene. I'm like, well, I mean, she's here. Your door's open. Like, I mean, I, I thought she was like staying with you. So it was just, it was, it really threw me off. None of this is super clear. And again, though, we're, we're jumping around. So there's right. a lot we have to put together here, which is like, I think is part of the fun. Uh, but anyway, no matter how much she's throwing it out there, again, just like with JD, Sean's not biting. Apparently, nobody is interested in what she has to sell, which is kind of makes me sad for Dawn. She's got to be going home and taking care of business. I, I don't get like, I don't think her personality gets like discouraged like that. Like she seems like very like confident. Well, good for her yeah. because I know I'd be upset being but, turned down twice. She did mention though that um, she studied in India insinuating that, you know, she knew like Kama Sutra and like all this sort of stuff. I didn't put that together. You're absolutely right. She yeah. was basically saying, well, she was wearing one of those kimonos on top of it, which again, and of itself, it's a very easy access for, mm -hmm. for all sorts of things. Yeah, she was she was giving it out there, but nobody wants it. No, the scene ends, but we do see Sean like kind of like thinking. You see at the end, like his like eyebrow perks up like. I bet you have. Should Do I? Do I want to? Sean's a man, so we can't ever deny that. But what we can't deny is commercial break. Yes. McDonald's will give you the vacation to Hawaii. What you do while you're there is up to you. The excitement of the Monopoly game is back at McDonald's. Just buy America's favorite fries and play for a chance to win millions of prizes, including a wonderful vacation to the island of Oahu. Where can you go to play the Monopoly game today? Did somebody say McDonald's? The average temperature around the Hawaiian Islands is about 82 degrees. And the air's nice and warm, too. Hawaiian Airlines, wings of the islands. We're surrounded by wicker furniture as Sean is barking out orders for the day. And just as he starts, JD interrupts. He's got really big news. He met a friend and his friend got him a tryout. I could not understand a word he was saying when he was explaining what this tryout was. He's here with America's Cup boat, Abracadabra. One of the crew dropped out and Cal's got me a tryout. I heard the word Abracadabra. I, heard, I, I just, I could not get what this was about. 
I think that you were possibly dick smacked that you weren't cognizant of what was going on because it was fairly clear because you did hear the word abracadabra. Yeah. Abracadabra is the name of the boat. Sailboat. The, the sailboat that JD has been invited to try out for a spot of the crew on because they're going to participate in America's Cup. JD is super excited and I guess we're supposed to be excited too. Yeah, I guess this is kind of like one of his dreams or like one of his goals he was working towards. Uh, yeah, apparently this is a lifelong thing. He's always wanted to do it. America's Cup, it turns out, it's a yacht race. Oh, yacht race, rich rich guy sort of thing, but still fun. It also means a lot of really cute boating outfits, personally. Um, uh, and it's what America's Cup is. It's the oldest international sporting competition still operating in the whole world. Uh, it's been going on since 1851. And it's the oldest? Ongoing. Oh, okay. Meaning that it has been interrupted. Oh, okay. So, you know, one of those technicalities or whatever, because America's not all that old, considering. But it doesn't matter whether we care about it or not, because JD does. And besides the fact that he's going to be able to try out, the tryout is today. Yes. But Sean agrees to let him go and is rooting for him, along with the other girls that were there. Who don't matter because they don't say anything. Sean grumpily lets him go. He's, he encourages him. Yeah, but yeah, the America's Cup is a big thing, I guess. So the good part about this scene, even though it's very short and really doesn't have any reason to happen in the way that it does, is the lifeguards just stand there in their outfits looking toned and good as they speak to each other. So can't be mad about that. The 90s are alive as we flash cut to the surf and a mini montage of Mitch and Tanner at the beach together. And Tanner, like always, is super excited. This place is fantastic. The water's so beautiful. All the different colors. Unreal. He's loving everything. He can't believe what he sees. Wowee. Yeah, he kind of reminds me, like in this spot, of Anakin Skywalker from The Phantom Menace. Now this is pod racing. He's far less annoying. They meet up with Mitch's local friend, Leon Kawaiawaiamai, and they call him Rock. Rock. Mm -hmm. He's this ripped dude with a cool surfer accent, and he offers Tanner his surfboard uh, to use, though the surfboard is... Gigantic. It's huge. It looks like a whole tree next to Tanner. <laughs> Uh, Mitch uh, says that he has to go file a report, incident report, probably from the rescue that was earlier. I'd assume so. Uh, and Rock says that he would take Tanner in the water and, sh I guess, show him how to surf. I don't know if Rock ever did anything other than offer up his surfboard. Because as we see, Tanner's left with his own devices. No one's watching out for this kid or any other kid on the beach. That's what that was wishful thinking on my part. And we'll find out later that, yeah, he's just kind of like left alone. Yeah. But for now, we cut back to the dormitories. What is now clearly a dormitory, really, because it's dawn in a two-person bedroom. I guess she's getting set up. It's like typical Hawaiian sort of setup where the windows are super gigantic, easy to open, like inside, outside living. They don't really have any bugs over there like we do here in Florida. It's a dream in a lot of ways. Don't they have like iguanas and stuff like that? Yeah, but they don't have mosquitoes. <laughs> anyway, Jessie finally gets to do something in this episode. She's greeting Dawn and she brings her a whole bunch of equipment. Has like your fins and your goggles and Nextel. This is really, really cool. This is both a cell phone and a two-way radio. Including a, this really spiffy cell phone radio that was like all the rage. A Nextel. 
and everybody remembers those Nextels, those horrible, terrible chirping phones, but they were new at this time, and Jesse can't get over it. It's just the coolest thing, which I'm sure, which I'm sure, we were all there. It was cool at the time. Two-way radio with your phone? You don't have to use your minutes? That's great. I remember the first time I saw one was a parent from one of the kids who I was teaching gymnastics to had one. And I remember them just chirping away as I'm trying to instruct. And I'm just like, shut up. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels like it very quickly became something that uh, was the sign of something bad. Uh, those terrible chirps. But they're gone for now. Jesse uses hers to call Jason. Jason Momoa, who is off on the beach with Allie and some rando named Brian. What's his character's name? Is it Jason? Yes. Shut up. Jason plays Jason. Oh, my Lord. My man. Yeah. Well, you know, it was his first acting role. Yeah. And uh, that happens from time to time. So Charlie Sheen in it. Uh? Charlie Sheen, like... In several episodes, in several shows that he was in, his name was Charlie. Oh, Spin City, Two and a Half Men. He was in Spin City. Yeah, he was. Uh, he replaced Michael J. Fox when he uh, got uh, bad with Parkinson's. Look at you teaching me pop culture stuff. That's great. <laughs> anyway, Dawn's far less impressed by these phones and everything, but she has plans of her own. Nefarious plans. Yes, she sort of insinuates. Honestly, I don't know why Jesse responded right away, but she insinuates that the Baywatch group is really close. That that. Sort of maybe she's being forced out, that it's difficult for her to be a part of the group, which is pretty open of her, but she's doing it for manipulative reasons. Uh, Jesse argues that, no, we're all new here. We're all learning each other. and well, Except you and J.D. And I guess this is where we find out that J.D.'s relationship he's in is with Jesse. Yes, which puts her off her feet. Jesse's confused by this whole thing. Like, what are you doing with, with this line of questioning? And how does Don respond? Don't worry. He's not my type. Wow, lucky for me. Yeah. You know, I, I know that I would want to murder uh, some bitch that said that to me about my man. Who the hell? Excuse me? Uh, I don't... What? Uh, which was, of course, the point. But Jesse leaves, and Dawn has that soap opera grin on her face. I'm gonna smack it off her. Drama. She grabs her Nextel phone, her Nextel phone, but this time she's calling Sean, and he's walking and glistening uh, somewhere with Kakoa, who doesn't have anything to say, and Sean is like, yeah, what do you want? And Dawn's like, oh, it's a mistake. I was just making sure it worked. And somehow Dawn sees this as a win because she has another grin on her face. She's like, her evil plans seem to all be working out. Well, we go back to the beach and Tanner is struggling with this surfboard again. Well, I wanted a board, but this was a boat. Just even trying to keep it standing up. And he is staring off. Again, super excited. Awesome! There is a girl surfer, a girl teen surfer that he's way into. This is going to turn out to be Tammy, though they don't say her name until way, way later. And the very end of the episode, practically. Yeah, exactly. And she's got some surfing skills, and he clumsily drags his board over to talk to her when she gets out of the water. <laughs> he is just like super impressed by like all of her surfing moves. He's trying to like engage a conversation. That was sensational. Tammy's like standoffish. She's like, why is this little boy talking to me? Like, She feels like a real Gen X kid. She's super jaded. She's seen everything. She knows everything. And this super positive kid, like, what the hell's wrong with you? Yeah. What's so exciting? But I think she does like start to feel bad because she does like agree to take Tanner out in the water and like show and get him in the surf lineup. I think just like us, his positivity wore what? through. Yeah. His genuine sort She's of like, feeling. Why am I being such a bitch to this like nice kid? He just wants And he even has a retort to her. What are you afraid of? Creatures with blonde hair and sharp tongues. Which is actually kind of uh Yeah, a little snap. Yeah, which was nice. 
they go off together, though Tanner again is falling behind because he's dragging that giant surfboard. <laughs> Further down the beach, Sean and Mitch meet up, you know, and Sean is taking the opportunity to talk to Mitch to share that I don't feel good about this Dawn mm-hmm. woman. And you asked earlier about if Sean's a captain, what is Mitch? Mitch is obviously the guy in control because Sean's going to Mitch about a staffing issue. Like, hey, can I fire this person I'm not happy about? Yeah, and I feel like this is where we find out that like she was kind of like shoehorned in and he didn't really want to bring this girl on. But it was kind of like us just should have been made above him. So that's probably why he's like very like combative towards her. That's a really good point. Like so as we're learning more about Sean himself, we're seeing that he is maybe a control freak or that just maybe he takes his job very seriously. And yeah, she's been foisted on him. Mitch does tell him. No, no, no. You give her some time. She's got skills. Skills we need. Figure out how to keep her. Kama Sutra, apparently. Hey, <laughs> not everyone's been to India. <laughs> There's another MTV-style mini-montage of beach stuff. Brings us back to Tammy and Tanner. This time they're floating in the ocean on their boards. I mean, it's probably not the ocean. This is Baywatch Hawaii, so they're probably just in a tank or whatever somewhere. But anyway, Tanner is educating Tammy on just how great Mitch Buchanan is. And this is where we learn that whatever mission that Baywatch is up to in Hawaii, it's something related to something called... The International Trading Center. Have you heard about it? Tammy's unimpressed by all of this. She doesn't care. She she doesn't care. And in the middle of all this, Tanner somehow flips off of his board. They're just sitting there. They're not even moving. But he whacks himself all the way around uh, and falls into the water. He was just so excited. He just didn't know how to sit on a board anymore. Yeah. And Tammy just rolls her eyes. They swim. They, they paddle off to their next destination. And we get some more intense music and some MTV-style cuts. And now we're in the rough surf. There's a girl shouting for help. She's unable to swim back to shore. She's yelling something about a rip current. Uh, She's really close to the rocks, which to me seems odd that there would be a rip current so close to there, but you know, whatever. Anyways, uh, Jason Momoa, he sees her and runs out to save the day. And now we have our next commercial break. At Aaron's, it always costs less, a whole lot less. Take this giant RCA 46-inch big screen TV with picture-in-picture. At Rent-A-Center, it's $31.99 a week for 156 weeks. But don't be fooled. Do the math. That's over $4,900. At Aaron's, it's $109.99 a month for 24 months. So you save over $2,300 and you own it 12 months sooner. You don't need credit. You own it much sooner. And you get the guaranteed lowest price. So why pay more? Do the math. Call Aaron's. So when we left off, there was a woman frantically stuck in a rip current. Jason Momoa charges after her. And when he catches up, you know, she's really hysterical, freaking out. And he's wraps like, you know, like this flotation thing around her. And he starts like pulling her away from the beach. And she's like freaking out like, Hey, we're going the wrong way. We gotta go out before we get in. With the waves. The waves are gonna help us. Oh my God, Okay, I'm gonna tell you everything I do before I do it, okay? Which I always thought rip current you swim to the side, like parallel with the beach. Yeah, I was hoping that this was gonna be one of those opportunities where Baywatch like slips in a beach safety lesson, but it was very obscure and not correct here. And ultimately didn't matter because he saved her, he dragged her out of the water. It was very kind of like a random scene that didn't involve any of the other plot lines. So I I don't know, maybe they just needed something for Jason Momoa to do. Well, speaking of random too, most of this, most of these shots just had random shots of stock footage of waves. Like it wasn't even waves that were within this scene and there's a lot of padding. And (laughs) And it wasn't great. And the 
victim was another terrible actress, but Jason Momoa looked really cute, really adorable in this. And everybody claps when he brings her back to the beach. So <laughs> at least somebody enjoyed it. But Jason, he just stands like, wow, this is happening. And they give him just a close-up where he looks off kind of confused. And maybe he's dreaming about his future uh, instead of life on Baywatch. <laughs> uh, anyway, somewhere, possibly at Baywatch headquarters, Numi is finally on the scene. And he's sitting at a picnic table with Jesse and Kakoa. They're gossiping about JD and what his chances are with the America's Cup. Like, hey. Does JD really have a chance of making the team? Well, a couple of thousand guys start off racing sailboats. They train, they work out. If they're good enough, they make it to the next level. Which is? The very top of the heap are the international guys. And above them, the very elite. Those are the guys that crew the America's Cup boat. They decide to take a scarab and head out to the tryouts, which immediately to me seems like a really bad idea. To add your boat to a place where a whole bunch of other boats are trying to do specific things, but we'll see. <laughs> So this does bring us, though, to JD and his sailing outfit, which is appropriately adorable. Navy blue polo, light khaki cargo shorts, because it was 1999, white ankle socks, white tennis shoes, super preppy, super studly. It's just a big, long montage of them sailing this boat. And let me tell you, I was getting exhausted watching them do that turn crank. I didn't realize there were so much turn cranks involved with sailing. I shared with you when we watched Homecoming, and Stephanie was abducted on her sailboat, and I, I said, that, there's no way that one woman could sail it by herself. And this is a very large sailboat. This is a yacht, and a racing one on top of that. Yeah, there's tons of work to do. And yeah, all of them are running from side to side, and there's a ton of people on the boat. They somehow are all coordinated. That's why these things are so impressive, really, and why you have to train, why you have to have these tryouts. It's really cool, but what's cooler is the music. It's this booming, perfect montage music that is telling us to give it all you got. <laughs> this is the only time when I've watched an episode both from our German DVD source and the remastered because for whatever reason my computer wasn't working and so I'm like okay I have to watch this on on Hulu and so I did. The song, the episode for the most part is, is the same. It's zoomed way in on the remaster. It looks even more sort of Melrose Placey and trashy but this song is completely different. Not at all any better and is reinforcing why we are watching what we are watching. <laughs> anyway, uh, you're right, JD and the team, they go through all their exercises and everything. All of a sudden, the scarab shows up to the side of the boat. It is Kokoa and Numi, and they're screaming for JD's attention. Like, he's busy working at this tryout and you're trying to, like, pull his attention away. It made no sense. They know how important it is to them. They also know how difficult it is. And it, it was a weirdly stage shot too. Like yeah. clearly it wasn't really happening at the same time. They were just putting that together, but whatever. We get lots of close-ups of JD and all windswept and triumphant, but also kind of sad in a lot of the scenes, but it doesn't matter if he's sad or, or happy because he is so handsome. So very handsome. He, he is like the classical John F. Kennedy era sort of madman handsome. Now, if I was directing though, they all would have been shirtless. Mm, that would probably be a little dangerous on a sailboat. You might get. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> the montage eventually fades, but into another mini montage this time of rando surfers. And again, we're back with Tammy and Tanner, the surf part of the episode. And. Tammy's trying to reassure Tanner, hey, it's cool to surf, you don't have to be scared, everything's great. They start surfing, it's all fun. And we look to the beach and it's Mitch and Jesse watching the whole thing happening. 
Mitch goes on and on, though, at this point, just how bad a life Tanner has had. And that, to me, is inexplicable. There's no way this boy has had as horrific a life as Mitch is characterizing here. If he's had, then he is, like, the happiest, I guess, enthused that he's out of that environment because he is happy to be anywhere else. All right! Hawaii, here I come! It's the late 90s. He could be on a number of antidepressants or anti-anxiety. He could be a Prozac kid. He could be lithiumed up. <laughs> Never mind. Maybe he's better living through chemistry and, and we could all be as happy as Tanner if we found the right mix. If I can just add something, like... I mean, I've never been to Hawaii, but I always hear, like, it is super dangerous in the water because the waves are huge and, and all that. And the fact that Mitch, like, left him unsupervised on the beach just seems so... Negligent? Yes. Well, we know that Mitch is the father of the year always, <laughs> even though his decisions are always weird and they don't seem to make sense like that. But, yeah, you're right. I wouldn't... I don't think all of the waters in Hawaii are dangerous. There certainly are places. And as we see, I mean, that one woman was right near some rocks, you know, whatever. Um, there's a whole bunch of sharks in Hawaii, in the Pacific Ocean, in that area and things. But it, there's dangerous areas in Florida. There's easy areas in Florida. As long as you're smart, you're fine. But, no, I'd probably would not let a 12-year-old boy that has never been Hawaii off on his own into the water, but hey. Which I'm is why I dad. thought, like, you know, Mitch left him with that rock guy. Like, at least that, like, made some sort of sense, but rock just was nowhere to be found. And then we get a fun, flat voiceover at the very end, which, you know, something added into the end where... I wish I could do something to help. Me too. But this is one I have to work out myself. Well, yeah, you can't. <laughs> so anyway, we're back on the water with Tammy and Tanner, and somehow everything's turned bad. Who knows what, is, what has happened between them in this time, but Tammy is pissed. Yeah, she says that she is going to go to the uh, reef lineup alone. By herself, don't follow me. And Tanner is just trying to, like, apologize, trying to find out what happened. She just shuts him out, and she kind of just, like, paddles away. And Tanner is, I guess, upset because, you know, this is, like, his first friend. And he starts, like, following her and be like, hey, you know, I'm not going to let you go alone. What happened? What did I do? And it's another feather in his cap, another another point for him is, like, wow, what a nice friend. He's just meeting this person. He's like, wait a minute. No, I'm not going to let you freak out and run away you're gonna tell me what's what's wrong uh -huh. because so good for him now we go to jd who's meeting up with sean who's picking him up from the tryouts he's exhausted you know he says that he's like he's never been this this tired before and he goes on and on just how great the experience was he just loved it it was wonderful and best of all he made the team He's made the team. And Sean, you know, is, I guess, disappointed, but like happy for his friend. You know, he got what he wanted. But then immediately JD is like, but I, I turned them down. I made a commitment to this, to our team here at Baywatch, and I'm going to follow that through. Apparently what their mission is, is important enough that he's willing to sacrifice this opportunity. Now I'm calling bullshit. I think JD realized how hard that sailing gig was. And he's like, fuck that. I'm done. Thanks for having It's like the same thing when I did my lifeguard tryout. Back in Daytona, I did the, I passed the first time and then the uh, first test, and then they wanted us to swim in freezing cold water. I'm like, nope, peace out, I'm done. That is a wonderful perspective, and I didn't even consider it. I was sitting here thinking like, hmm, what a high-minded mission that they must be participating in. It was something that they must be like, like able to put this kind of meaning behind. And no, instead, you're probably right. <laughs> it's great. 
What's also great, though, is that as as Sean congratulated him, he, he does it reluctantly because he even admits that he assumed that JD would not have been chosen. I think I came down here to cheer you up. Now, now I got to throw you a going away party. What? Yes, I miss that. Sean's such a great guy. But Sean is shocked, uh, but happy. And so everything seems to be working out. And they head away. And this is when we see Allie, who's writing something up against scribbling. That's why I think scribbling. There's a lot of scribbling on clipboards uh, from the people on Baywatch Hawaii. And Mitch walks up to her. Father of the year. Because he's like, hey, have you seen Tanner? I haven't seen him like in an hour and a half. At least. least. Neither of them really know where he is. Well, she thought like, oh yeah, he's right there. Oh wait, no, I guess he's not there anymore. He's over there surfing with a pretty little girl. Well, he was. Exactly. And it doesn't matter because we fade now into later in the day. The sun is fading. Yeah, it's like dusk. And we start the scene with Tanner running up to Mitch. You've been, I was worried about you. You gotta come quick. She says she wants to die. And I guess we're her, his friend Tammy is just really upset about something. Yes, we find out that she needs to go to a hospital in Houston for some sort of medical treatment. We never find out what's wrong, but we do know that, you know, she has to get regular treatments. We also find out, Tanner tells Mitch, that somehow she doesn't have a mother or a father either. I mean, that should lead to a lot more questions from Mitch, but instead he's like, you go get help. I'm gonna go out into the water. It's a strange decision, but he's Mitch Buchanan. There's no need to fear. He knows what to do. Well, I think he told Tanner to go to headquarters and like let everyone know, I guess, in case he needs backup. Or oh, like, absolutely. Yeah. But Mitch doesn't know this girl from anything. She's never, he's never met this, this young lady before. But he takes the board, which I assume is rocks, because, you know, just putting one and one together. And he approaches Tammy in a very similar situation to Dawn and JD. It's silhouettes against you know a backdrop and thankfully there's no weird sexual tension like before now it is mitch buchanan saving the day tammy's pissed off just like before she's already started taking these treatments whatever they might be and they make her really sick it certainly implies that she can't surf that she just doesn't feel good she doesn't want to go to houston she just wants to die. Houston is where her treatment, her next treatment is going to be. Exactly, which yeah. wouldn't take her away from Hawaii. I'd yeah. rather stay in Hawaii myself too. And she knows she's kind of like angry and like kind of pouring her heart out. And you know she's expecting Mitch to like say like you know the generic it's going to be okay or like telling her what needs to happen. And he's just like those aren't answers, Tammy. Those are just stupid things that don't say when they don't know what else to say. It was a very mature sort of nice thing. That, yeah. Hey, grown ups are people too. And we're all trying to figure this out yeah. together. And, and the, the real message he sends is that you and me are alike. I don't know how he infers that, that they just met. Uh, in fact, she should be creeped out that this grown-ass man is coming up to her and knows so much about her, is even quoting things from conversations that Mitch wasn't a part of. Yeah, I was going to say that. Like, she, he made a quote. Remember what you told Tanner. Face your fear, Tammy. You got to face your fear. Ride the wave. Ride the wave. Mitch was nowhere near around when that happened, so I don't know how he would have known that. I think that's just like bad editing. No, I think... Not a bad script. There you go. Exactly. Or it could be Amazing Mitch. Again, he (laughs) just somehow knows what to say and what to do, and it works. He says, you and I are the same. I'm not a quitter. You're not a quitter. You're going to get through this. And we know that it works because the ocean sparkles and a chime 
chimes and we next see Tammy in the broad daylight and she's on that goddamn tarmac again. <laughs> we know that must mean a trip on an airplane. Mitch and Tanner are there to see her off to her treatments. Yes, she's agreed to go to Houston. Because she has no one else in her life, apparently. Yeah, I guess she was living on the beach and surfing <laughs> and having uh, medical treatments from time to time through some sort of manner. I don't know how she afforded them or is affording them, but yeah. <laughs> they start to say their goodbyes. Uh, Mitch and Tanner there to see her off, and Tammy mentions that he ha- she has a special goodbye for Tanner. Tanner tells Mitch to, you know, kind of go away. This is going to be private. And Mitch excuses himself. Yeah. It started to make me feel uncomfortable immediately. I any Because, I mean, Tammy seems like she's at least, like, three or four years older than him. Exactly. She's at least a foot taller. Yeah. It's a weird contrast. Yeah, and Tanner is like... You're going to give me a kiss now, right? And she's like, well, okay. And gives him a kiss, on a sweet kiss on the cheek. Yeah, it was fine, and there was nothing evil or bad about it. But still, in today's world, it does seem a little strange, which I guess says more about today's world than anything. (laughs) But her actual gift to Tanner was to keep keep her surfboard while she's out of town. Awesome! Yes, the camera pans over, and we see... I guess the surfboard valet <laughs> must work for the This local. random dude holding the surfboard. He's got a fedora and a shirt on. And he's holding the surfboard. And yeah, he's tatters again, of course. That was sensational. Excited. And he promises that he will take care of the surfboard, but only until she's able to come back because he knows that she's going to be able to come back. Tammy climbs onto the airplane. Mitch and Tanner wave goodbye. And the Hawaiian Airlines flight takes off. We fade to our final commercial break. Aloha, and welcome to Hawaiian Airlines flight number one to Los Angeles. It's a blistering 98.6 degrees inside your mouth. Yeah. But inside a Winterfresh mouth. Tastes much, much cooler, yeah. fresh gum from Wrigley's. Icy cool flavor. Icy cool red. Fresh gum from Wrigley's for icy cool breath that lasts. We are in our last scene of this episode, the redemption for Miss Dawn Masterson. Sean has a little test for her to pass to whether or not she's going to stay on the team or go back where she came from. Uh, all the other uh, lifeguards are there to see what's going to happen. Yeah, it's a weird test. Yeah. So what it is is Dawn and Sean. Don and Sean. Don and Sean are going to sit together at the bottom of the pool and they're going to hold a length of rope and pull it back and forth. Back and forth and back and forth. And they back. also have weights on to keep them like submerged underwater. You're going to work one end of the rope, I'm going to work the other. I mean, there's something else I would probably be pulling if I was Don. Good point. But the thing is. Do you go up for air first? I go home. That's right. Want to prepare excuses now? While you prepare your apology? Yeah, she's out of the program. So they start. They're pulling back and forth. The other uh, lifeguards are watching. They put stick their heads underwater and they're watching them go back and forth. Sometimes it goes by. The rest of the lifeguards have to come up for air. Yeah, which shows us that they've been under for a while. Yeah. These other lifeguards, they're not losers. These no. are really good athletes themselves. And no, they can't stand her nearly as long. And they, they, they actually do this twice. Go back up for air one more time. And they're still going back and forth. And then all of a sudden... Sean just passes out. Now, instead of grabbing him and pulling him out of the water like you think a rescue person would, Dawn instead jumps up and tells the other lifeguard, Help me quickly, he blacked out. And then so she goes back underwater and she goes to grab him and then like he pops his eyes open. 
and screams sc- in her face. Yeah, it scares the shit out of me. Scared the daylights out of me. <laughs> but even though I knew, I, I figured he was not actually passed out. It still like caught me by surprise. Well, you're good for a good start off. Yeah. You know, you're a good sport. Yeah, do not watch a scary movie with me. Or do. <laughs> so anyways, he comes up or they both come up and she's like you know oh you scared me blah blah she's like well i guess i failed because you know she had to come up for air first and he's like no you did exactly what you're supposed to do you prioritize someone's rescue over this competition he also said something about the most lethal hazard that a lifeguard can encounter is the victim always proceed with caution which is true like my dad as you know former lifeguard he's told me so many times of like how you know victims will just are so freaked out they can drown you while all that is true and probably good lessons to learn it's a very perverse test to do on someone as weird as don has been sean is a manipulative ass himself like what the hell are you doing to your staff here but whatever no one else seems to have a problem with it they all are now a happy group and that's pretty much where this episode ends yes on a random shot of empty water the end yeah baywatch hawaii weak link danny what did you think it was a nice i think it was a fun introduction um you know i i wonder how the other previous episodes were gonna go but the fact that we're introduced to dawn and like i guess there's like this underlying drama that she's gonna bring to this season hopefully is i think very interesting sean is a hard ass but he is a very sexy one and like the way they presented dawn you were kind of more rooting for sean over dawn like you weren't really felt like she was on the level ever so you don't mind that he was like so hard on her now whether if she was like more nice i think it would be more of a like a weird tone definitely how the way they were shooting her every sort of language of of of, you know film or whatever or photography or whatever you call that sort of thing they were definitely showing us she's not the good guy there's something about her that is not positive but uh other than that you know Tanner, it's an interesting thing to add. I guess they needed Mitch to have another mentor or son type character to keep him like in that role that he's built up. It maybe it was cute kid syndrome. Like sitcoms would always add a cute kid once the last cute kid got a little less cute, a little too old. Maybe it was that. Maybe they were trying to say, hey, it's a new thing. I think, I don't know. I haven't looked into it in regards to Tanner. Um, I did look up his actor because his age now, he's. Uh, he doesn't act anymore from what I can see, but he turned out pretty cute. Really? Uh, yes, so we'll have to look at him sometime. But he this is not his first episode, obviously. I mean, that would be rough to just throw in, oh, Mitch has a foster son out of yeah. nowhere. But I'm not even sure if he may have started the season before. I can see that, that that's why he's here. If they're coming to Hawaii, they're starting a whole brand new thing. That's the whole point. The show is basically different. And if you'll sometimes in syndication packages, and in other ways, there's Baywatch and there's Baywatch Hawaii. They're actually considered two separate shows, even though they're not. It's a whole new world. Let's try everything. We're going to have a whole bunch of sexy locals. We're going to have an Australian chick. We're going to, ooh, we'll have some Melrose Place drama ongoing. We'll have a new young kid. Um, all that sort of stuff thrown into the pot and see what happens. Turns out that nothing really happens. Baywatch Hawaii was not very popular um, and, and didn't last more than two seasons. But anyway, for me, I, uh, I think, especially now that we're finally talking about it we overlooked a lot of the fact that none of it is tied together at all that again like 
These are a whole bunch of disparate elements that could work together on some sort of level. You just could figure out how you could have, you're introducing a new son, you're introducing a new person to Baywatch. Anything about those could tie together other than they're new, or even just the scenes with Tammy, you know, something thematically, whatever. Uh, but it's a brand new thing for us. We're in a brand new place and they blitzed us with all these brand new people, a whole new way of shooting stuff. Everything looks different. It looks more lurid to me, like not in a good way. Uh, trashier, which makes sense as we got from the 90s into the early 2000s. Everything got sort of a weird sheen to it. Uh, but I liked it. I expected to hate Tanner right away, like I said, but I really liked him at the yeah. end, and I hope he's in a whole bunch of more episodes, even if he's just doing the same thing, building everybody up and being positive. Dawn looks super fun. I hope that she gets to be a mega bitch and really stirs stuff up. I hope it turns into a Desperate Housewives crazy, nasty, right. wild thing, but uh, who knows? And who knows when the next time we watch Baywatch Hawaii is. Uh, I was really put off by how cheap the show has gotten. Rescue scenes in particular are dire. The actors, the victims themselves, the actors are not not at all good, but even just the shooting of them, it's, it's it doesn't really make any sense, and it's just not interesting, those parts. Luckily, who cares? You have Jason Momoa, who is beautiful and wonderful to look at and is fun. He's not a great actor, but he is fun. You always want to see him. We, I mean, we also didn't get to see him much this episode. He had that one scene pretty much. That's true, but I loved Baywatch Hawaii, so I'm quite familiar. Um, but we'll see. He's Again, I liked watching him. Sean is super hot. JD too. JD. But, but Sean, hot. I think, is going to be my main man. I, I like the dumb hunk quality that Sean throws off. Uh, JD is a little unattainable since he is a supermodel, more or less. <laughs> uh, and he is like gorgeous with a capital G, but it's it's fun. It's fun. I mean, I like Jesse too. Brooke Burke is not an amazing actress, but she uh, is game. Like she seems like she's playing along and she's trying and who knows about Kakoa. So, so I liked it. I, I look forward to more Baywatch Hawaii and it was certainly easier than what the last episode we watched. So, thumbs up for me. Yeah. Uh, I'm probably going to give this episode seven ridiculously long sailing cranks out of ten. Well, that sounds like your shoulders are really going to hurt. That is the end of Hot Red Shorts today. Thank you for listening. I'm Josh. I'm Denny. And uh, we need to get back to the airport and get catch our plane, Denny. We're not going to stay in Hawaii for a little bit longer? There's only so much poi I can take. All right. Hi, Sean. Aloha. To support Hot Red Shorts, please follow us on Spotify, iTunes, or any of your favorite podcatchers. New episodes are posted every other Tuesday. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hot Red Shorts. And you can find show notes and the trading cards I make for each episode on HotRedShorts.com. Thanks for joining us. There's a gay Hawaiian party lasting all week through. A happy island party just for me and you. Take a lot of sweet romancing, mix it with a moonlit sea. Add a little hula dancing, and you got a little notion what a party can be. There's a royal welcome waiting where the skies are blue. So join the celebrating, that's the thing to do. Got to see Hawaii in Aloha week, so make a reservation right away. Forever little smarties heading for the party today.